0: Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Hannah Wallace. Hannah's a writer and creative who champions female empowerment and spiritual activism. As someone living with a disability and being a wheelchair user, she's passionate about breaking down barriers around the topic and bringing awareness through her content. Her mission is to help others around find a way to live and thrive within their personal center and find grace within that space. I've known Hannah for some time, and I personally find her to be one of the most positive people I've ever met. Just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book, and the Move Your Mind community is now live. It's a community space we've developed for you guys. It's got all of our courses. It's got live events, guest speakers, the ability for you all to interact and form private groups to grow together. You can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. Hannah, thank you so much for making the time to come and have this chat today. We're actually talking uh, just before and a lot of interesting topics coming up, So, which is always what happens. So I'm hoping that we can organically go back... <laughs> go back into those I, I find before and then actually often after as well with these interviews yeah. i'll stop recording and then you keep chatting and then you're like oh we should still be recording this but anyway um thank you for coming on um and yeah i really appreciate it i'm glad that i've got this chance to have a chat to you
1: yeah no it's really great to be here. and amazing obviously that fab connected us so it's amazing isn't it how that one person can connect people all over the world and we can do this you know what you exactly know, that, it amazes me
0: Yeah, I've said that like so many times doing, I started this podcast um, like mid last year and the um, probably the best thing about it has been that it's like forces you to, you're reaching out to people all over the world to interview and then through that you meet other people that introduce you to other people and you just get to meet and also, I mean, it's not often you get to sort of sit down, I mean, it's not face to face, but it's the closest thing through Zoom um, and have, you know, have a really sort of focused conversation with someone you've never met it's like it's it's um the best part about doing it isn't it
1: i'd say and obviously you're going to come on my podcast as well and i think it's really interesting because yep. obviously we been in a situation as we were discussing before where we've been very disconnected as humans and actually it just brings people back to that place of more like intimacy and reconnecting people to themselves and to others and then through that connection it shares out to the world which is just amazing
0: Exactly, <clears throat> exactly, which I think we need. I mean, there's so many great podcasts coming out now, and we need more of that just to, it's more of that realism in a world right now where there's so much disconnection and so much distraction and so much fakeness. And
1: oh I think people
0: do respond to, you know, these real conversations. They want to hear it.
1: Yeah. And also things that are kind of what I would say unfiltered and kind of, you know, that yeah. are actually, say, so real, where people are showing up, they're not airbrushed, they're not showing up, they're just being themselves and actually telling the truth because I think a lot of the time if things are curated in a certain way, we're not always getting the bigger picture, whereas actually, you know, the great thing about doing a podcast and things like this it allows us to just come and share as it comes, which I think is really cool.
0: Exactly, exactly. If it's curated or you putting too much effort into preparing or, um you know how you look or all those sort of things you don't it automatically puts a shield up where you probably not be as open just to talk about whatever you know comes to mind in that moment and things that actually that you really do you know you really are thinking or care about so I think it's it's a really good point
1: Um,
0: so before we oh
1: sorry (laughs) you washed your hair I did wash my hair because oh, well. I have to daisy during pandemic and like I do go a little bit extra where it's like just stick it up but I thought <laughs> do you know what I'm gonna make a bit of effort for this.
0: <laughs> well I mean we've got to present in somewhat I mean I, I came back from the gym and I was covered in sweat and had a shower so look really we're not we're not telling the whole truth here we we do put a bit of effort in but um, <laughs> it still it still opens up for them to have a a more um a more sort of honest conversation but um but yeah before before we sort of get into everything are you able to give um a little bit of a background on yourself and sort of how you came to where you are today
1: Oh, absolutely so uh so basically up until the age of 17 i should we say had a very busy driven um live music drama performing arts um at the same time, it was pretty wild having a good time. There was things that were going on in my body, but because I was quite a driven kind of get on with it person, I just got on with it. And then at the age of 17 overnight, my life changed from being, you know, this very vibrant person to basically being in, in bed for months basically unable to function getting diagnosed at the time with what we just thought was um, glandular fever and for anyone listening um, that doesn't know what that is it, it is also known as EBV um Epstein-Barr virus and mm-hmm. um, so that's what we just thought it was but it was very extreme Nick it was to the point where yeah people were coming to see me who were very used to their kind of wild crazy friends you know the, the you know the friend yeah. that was in the club that takes their clothes off that was me right and (laughs) this is me so that was me and then they were coming to their friends like basically this shell of a person so for quite a few months I was like this and then my mum and I sought some like alternative therapy and doctors just didn't really know what to do they were like "We, we you know we don't understand what's happened we know something's wrong um so eventually I managed to get a little bit back on my feet go back into life and when I started to do that what that triggered was a depression but I I never thought I know this sounds crazy mm. but I never thought I would be a because de- I just wasn't like not that that was a judgment at the time but I just didn't really it wasn't really something that ever affected me um you know because I'd had a really sure. yeah so it, it's it swept me into this really deep depression um and I think it was a trauma from yeah. you know, all those months of being deeply unwell um and not not kind of being able to even process an emotion. Cause I was that sick, if that makes sense. For sure. So, yeah, so yeah. basically I just thought at this point, okay, it's taking me a little bit of a while to recover. Um, I'm, I'm really depressed right now, but I was trying to get on with my life and physically I still wasn't getting better. Eventually this left me not being able to progress with any education past the age of 18 and all my friends going off to university and doing all of the kind of normal things and me becoming more ill again and at this point they were like we know something's wrong but we still don't know what's wrong with you so they labeled me with like chronic fatigue fibromyalgia um and just said um yeah you're just gonna basically and this is not a joke Nick's. the a doctor actually said to me mm. you're just gonna have to drop out of life which is a kind of really wow. scary thing to say to a 19 year old thanks yeah, it's horrible yeah horrible yeah it's yeah at the time and, shocking i mean this Yeah, shocking. It was like, this was 19, 20 years ago. And I think there's a very different, um, we're in a very different time now. But thankfully, you know, due to, you know, us being very open as a family to alternative stuff, we were like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do. And I was still really struggling depression wise, because I mean, I think it's like a case of who wouldn't struggle if you had dreams and a life ahead of you. And then that's taken like overnight and you, you everything you're doing is not working um so eventually it became quite dark for me and I woke up one morning when I was about 20 21 and was like I can't do this anymore I need to do something with my mind because if I don't fix my mind whatever's happening with me physically it's gonna I, I, I felt like it was gonna tip me over the edge in the end if that you know to be honest with you um so yeah, I made yeah. a commitment to myself, I thought, if I can't fix my body, the one thing I can have control of here is my mind. So I did everything I could, therefore, after of, of learning tools, techniques, anything I could get my hands on, as well as still doing other things to support my body. And I managed to like, turn that around. So I managed to like, even though physically, my life wasn't ideal. um, I no longer basically, you know, felt I could function and not I wasn't crying all the time and you know kind of didn't even want to be there at some point and and it, to me honest it's understandable I was grieving that 17 year old who was lost that you know that you know oh, that, for
0: sure so.
1: so basically fast forward 10 yeah. years later from this I'd kind of learned a way to navigate and manage life and um I felt quite equipped by that point a friend of mine on Facebook said to me um do you know, I think the doctors have got this wrong because I was having a lot of other issues. And he said, I think you've got this um, thing called POTS. And I was like, look, mate, I really appreciate your help, but I can't go to my doctor and say, my mate Tim on Facebook (laughs) (laughs) says, I think you've got this problem, you know, like, it's like one of those nightmares that doctors are like, you know, people come to us with a Google diagnosis. So he gave me some like help on setting this up to be able to go with some evidence. So I went to my doctor and I said, look, you know, this is a long shot, but someone has said that this could be the problem and she, she had to Google it. Okay. So this is how rare yeah. it was. Yeah. And I said, you know, I think your mate's right. Wow. And you know, in one of those moments of, because I've been having this really racing heartbeat. And I know it sounds crazy, because you've got, once you've had a mental health diagnosis, you just mm. assume you're always living with anxiety. And I assumed, well, yeah. you know, it's normal. Um, so she basically said to me, I'm really sorry, because clearly there might be something we've missed here. So she fast forwarded me through the system. By the time they diagnosed this POTS thing, and I saw a consultant. He looked at me and said, I think they've got this really wrong. He says, I think you've got this. But I also think that you've actually got a genetic condition, which they've missed. And that's why you've been getting worse. And I need to send you through the right channels to get this diagnosed. And it was a really strange experience for me because mentally, by this point, I was in a really good place. But it's a very strange thing when someone tells you that. Where you had hope before that suddenly someone was potentially going to tell you something, and you, i wanted it, I know it sounds crazy, but I'd wanted to know for so long because in my gut, you know, we were talking about our gut beforehand. I knew in my yeah. gut, yeah, right, I knew it. And even the people around me were like, Are you sure they haven't got this wrong? But I knew it in my gut, but at the same time, knowing that this would be something that
0: mm-hmm. I would have to mm-hmm.
1: live with, I knew it was going to be a new mm-hmm. level of adjustments so yeah so they eventually diagnosed me with this danos syndrome and it was genetic through my mother line and it was like my entire world changed because by this point i'd spent some years even thinking sometimes am i just mad have i just like made all this up that i'm experiencing in my body you know and suddenly for somebody to take you really seriously in the medical profession and saying no no like we're really sorry and it was a really surreal experience. So I, yeah. you know, had to, learn to adjust my kind of mental capacity and then that led me really on this journey then to think, okay, I've learned a lot by this point. How can I now go out as the years have gone on and actually help people? Um, which has led me to the place where I am now, where I'm, you know, helping people um, find grace in their life and also, helping people to not bypass what's going on but help them integrate their darkness and light and like we were sharing yeah. find that space in the middle find that no matter what's going on with you there's always a way to optimize where you're at whether you're at you know some of us are going to be at like 25 percent. whatever percentage of life you're at you can still find a way to optimize that and I think it comes down to our minds, doesn't it? And obviously this is about our minds, this podcast, essentially. And I think the yeah, learn to utilize our mind in the right way, it doesn't mean we're not going to have bad times sometimes because that's human, but we can learn to work with it. And we can learn to kind of create this kind of what I would say, almost like a co-creative relationship, isn't it? With our mind on our body and our soul. And when we do that, um, I think we can change our lives.
0: Definitely. And yeah, well, well, thank you for sharing that whole story. I mean, there's so many, so many things in there that we could, you know, dissect and chat about and so many good points. And um, I I guess even in my own story and what I went through, I can draw on or relate to so many things you said there. But I think, I mean, it's such a difficult thing and going through what you went through and that sort of identity crisis and those sort of things. But I think, um when you reflect on these things as well um often the learning is you know rather like looking at it as almost a gift that you at a young age got to really had to look deep into your soul and question things and make force yourself to evolve emotionally um at a level that some people never do in their entire life or some people it takes them you know until um I don't know their 40s or 50s or something dramatic happens where you hit yeah. such a rock bottom that you then have to go through that thing so I guess it's like a blessing and a curse what you went through but there's so many interesting things yeah that you mentioned in there yeah.
1: no definitely and yeah. I think what, what you said was I mean as you can imagine there's I, I often have said this to people that there's always going to be a part of me that you you know there used to be for years I'd always be like you know as you do like I just wish this hadn't happened. Like, but I knew at the end of the day what you said that it had given me that experience. And like you said yourself, you haven't quite lived. Sometimes when, you know, and and along the way, believe me, like because I was naturally a very rebellious person. Sometimes I made quite bad choices. I think as well that I didn't always help myself in the sense yep. that I would either push myself or decide to do things that probably I shouldn't have been doing, and then I'd make myself more unwell. But I think that's how we learn to regulate, and and I think as well sometimes yeah. it was a case of if I didn't try those things, and if I didn't try sometimes to go and kind of do should we say and I don't want to say quote unquote normal things, but if I sometimes didn't go and try to do those things, <coughs> um, it would have just yep. messed me up, and you know. It was a really surreal experience for me because, obviously, up until about um, twenty four, twenty five, as as you know, I'm, I'm in, I use a wheelchair. I mean, luckily, I can still walk, shall we say, a little bit and and move and function. But that for me was like the most crazy. Am I allowed to swear?
0: <laughs> you can swear. Yeah.
1: It was really fucked up <laughs> because, obviously, um, you know, as you can imagine, um, it suddenly your even though I looked really well basically when even when I was really ill really underweight couldn't digest food properly I still looked really I'm not in a like brag map, I still looked what you'd say to the outside world really good so suddenly I was transported from this place of my, the visibility the way people viewed me changed the way society viewed me the way I guess for me it was like suddenly oh my god no no ma you know it's kind of a weird thing like no one's gonna like me people are gonna judge me it was just all this crazy stuff so I think it was a case of having to learn to even adapt within that situation as well and you know it was a really humbling experience realizing that actually as as an ex-boyfriend said to me when you know I was battling with him about it he was like what is the problem here and I said, "Well, you know what people are going to say." He said, "But does it really fucking matter?" And I was like, "Probably not." But you know, yeah. And I'm really yeah. grateful. I say this. Um, I am really grateful that he was quite forceful in that. In the fact that previous to that, basically, Nick, I had been going. So it got so bad. How much difficulty I'd had, like getting around and stuff. I would say go somewhere, mm. someone, and then I'd say to them. Oh, I can't do that. So you just go and do that and I'll wait here. And at the time, it yeah,
0: was, yeah. He
1: was going to Rome. And he was like, So you want to go to Rome and you want to sit and do nothing because that's what's going to happen. And it was actually really liberating, despite the fact, obviously, I was fearing everyone was going to look at me.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. On with it. And I had to be honest, I gave yeah. my life back. Like, and, yeah. you know, it's actually I mean look I can't take away the fact people are going to look sometimes it's curiosity right I can't get away from the fact people are going to ask me weird questions because it it is what it is but I also am really happy now that I can do really so many things now and yeah and have no limitations and it's bloody brilliant to be honest with you
0: yeah definitely definitely And, and I think um it's a more extreme example again of what we all face every day, where we, and we're talking about this before we started the interview as well. You know, we all worry or we're taught, we're conditioned to worry about so many different things. Um, you know, if I do this, what will happen? What if someone judges me? What if I want to um, live an unconventional life? What if I'm not married at the age of 30 or 40 or don't own a house by then? Does that mean I'm a failure? Does that mean this is not right? What if I do this? Um, I, you know, I. Fa- Based it when I was moving back to America at the moment, and everyone was saying, "Nick, you're crazy." I had my parents sitting me down, pleading with me not to do it. I was being told left, right, and centre, and I was like, "Hang on, I'm not committing it." I felt like I was committing a crime. I was like, "What the hell?" Um, so we're all conditioned in that way. But then when you start to sort of just do things that you know you are right for you, you're not doing you know stupid yeah. things that are just you know for the sake of uh, for the sake of it. It's doing things that you know you really want to do, and or it may be even taking a risk or whatever it is. No one really cares. You know, everyone, and I try and remind myself, you know, like if if you think about your own life where just the amount of things we personally have to deal with each day to get through the day and to achieve what we're trying to do, we don't have time to sit there and think about, oh, you know, my friend Simon, why is he doing that? Actually, you know what? I'm going to judge him for that. I'm going to, you know, spend two hours thinking about what he did. No one has time. No one cares. Like, so you may as well just go and bloody live how you want to live
1: absolutely and i think that's the thing Do you know it was a really the interesting thing for me when you say about unconventional because i didn't have those conventional things okay going to university then going traveling um then getting a like you know i was quite shall we say you know i i was quite kind of fluid in my life and you know wasn't like oh i need to have a boyfriend or i'm going to spend the rest of my life with now at the age of like 23 whereas quite a lot of people i know did then they got yeah. married and got kids and you know, I did have so many issues with comparison and judgment until I just had to like get hold of myself and be like, the only person like what you said I'm I'm actually judging more than anything is myself. And so and do you know what? And so what I guess and people might judge you, but it it doesn't matter anyway. And it's I actually think-
0: it's it's their problem if they want to judge you, not yours. Yeah.
1: It's- and I think it does come and I think if we break down like what's going on a lot of the time with you know mental health and when people are in those um positions and situations it's judgment that is what is feared the most you know the embarrassment Mm -hmm. of maybe saying Mm -hmm. to somebody I'm really struggling like I've been quite open the whole time about about it to the people around me um, but i know so many people who despite all the awareness that we have now despite um you know people are talking about it, there's still this fear isn't there there's still this shame of oh, having to say gigantically that yeah or you know what this situation i'm in is is giving me you know issues and stuff it it's it's just crazy and i think you know that's why having conversations like this and you know, continuing to push the barriers and continue to like, if people are sharing something very intimate about themselves, I think it's positive because if one person can do something, it allows another person to say, okay, I can do that too.
0: A hundred percent. And I mean, that's how I fell into the work I do. I had my own story that played out very publicly in Australia and that led to me eventually talking publicly about what i went through and then get getting us to do talks and i just kept doing it for the last 10 10 plus years because i've never found anything um you know as simple that has such an effect where it's just going and being vulnerable showing you know being honest and then you you really see an effect because it's just letting people know that hey it's okay to um to talk about what you're going through and i was saying this to someone the other day i mean imagine how much more simple the world would be and how many problems would be eliminated if everyone just simply, you know, put forward the actual, honest, real version of themselves and we didn't have any of these barriers, yeah. you would eliminate so many issues because so many people are acting out or behaving in certain ways to validate themselves because of insecurity or it's, you know, putting on a front or I need to make more money or I need to do this or I need to judge this person or do that or, you know, and then conflicts and just how the world's run. A lot of it is on, you know, Capitalism or greed or different things that if we could just eliminate a lot of that thinking and just be comfortable being ourselves, we you know you don't really need that much day to day in life. And I I sort of like had that realization a while ago because I'm naturally um, a very competitive person, sim- similar to what you were sort of saying about you know what you had to grapple with with that identity crisis. And I was always never satisfied and always needing more. And then I realized, hang on. The actual core things I care about and that I'm doing daily, I could basically do it if I had no money. So who cares? Just focus on that. If the other stuff comes good, but you know, it, it's not it's not the not the be all end all. It's not the the thing that we should be focusing on. Which I think we need to have that shift in our you know thinking um, more broadly.
1: Massively. And I think it comes down to this fact that people try, you know, when you're not living conventionally, or you're choosing differently, we're no longer subscribing to the boxes and the labels. Yep. And, it's, you know, what we were saying about the black and the white and that place in the middle, that sometimes we have to break yep. out of boxes and find that place in the middle. And it's about doing, you know, I say this. I've written about this quite extensively as well but learning to dance to your own rhythm we all have different rhythms and we all kind of respond and harmonize and find balance in different ways imagine like what you've said if we stopped looking at what's going on on the outside and said what do I really want because obviously we're all going to have like different aspirations different needs different desires and you know, it's such a powerful question to be like, what do I really want? How do I really want to feel? And, you know, how could I make that happen? How can I bridge that gap between what I want, how I want to feel and what I can do to get there. But I think it's quite scary because it's like, if someone says to you, like, you Know in, in a friendship relationship, anything if someone says, Well, what do you want? is quite a, a, a powerful question, and it can be quite scary for people because we don't often say to somebody, What do you really want? because we're actually told, we actually what we want. We're doing. Yeah, and we're often told exactly this what doing this is how your life should look. This is, um, you know, and if and if you, you know, if you're gonna be a bit more rebellious there or you're gonna say no to that you know you could come into problems and that's going to be bad for you and in the long term and you know but actually by tuning in to what you need and what you want it not only will it put you more in your inner balance and reconnect you on a deeper kind of spiritual and soul level into your heart and to your mind the that that will serve you for the rest of your life because you will no longer be in that discord between your mind and your body and your heart
0: yeah exactly exactly you sort of you feel it just become much more centered and you don't, you're able to self-sustain rather than constantly needing more and more and more. And, um, and yeah, it's interesting, like what you're saying because I think a lot of people on that level, and I've met so many people that are very wealthy and have different things and they're constantly, they think they say to you, no, but I know what I want. This is what I want. But then it's like, hang on, do you actually know what you want? Because all the behavior I'm seeing is you need more money you need more um stimulation more of this that and the other to feel okay that doesn't seem sustainable um but they say no no i know myself so well that's what i need it's like well no uh well i'm not you know i have no right to say yes or no for any you know everyone's different but it seems like there's some need to dig deeper so i think it's fine that's i think that's the hardest thing with all of this stuff it's sort of people can hear it but then how, having them have their own realization of how do I peel back some layers on myself because it's exactly what you said um, and I don't judge anyone for it I mean I think I'm lucky that through extreme circumstance like you I had to confront it but most people don't go through something extreme um, so I don't blame them it's it's a societal issue it's a it's a bigger epidemic than um, the coronavirus so it's sort of the only way I can see that changing is if we long-term make the big cultural sort of shifts um, and embed it in society, which takes a long time. But I guess it shows, you know, the importance of um, having these sort of conversations. But another thing I wanted to ask you was, oh yeah, sorry. Um,
1: I was going to say what you said about sustainability. Like I think that's such an important word because I think so much of the time we try and create unsustainable goals and circumstances. Cause I'm not saying you can't achieve. I think like I'm really proud of myself for like defying, like things could be a whole lot worse for me. And I know that I've, like I said to you about optimization, I know I found these kind of really positive ways to make the best of the situation. And it's enabled me to live, you know, a better life than what i could have been living and i'm really grateful for that but i found a way to do it sustainably so that that actually does you know pan out and i'm not up and down all the time um
0: and exactly I,
1: yeah there have been times where like you said about where you're chasing the outside i feel we try and do things get things or fill ourselves up with things that aren't always the best things for us but it's the only way that makes us feel what we consider to be satisfied and it's sometimes when we you know we have to have those points of being stripped away to realize what what we really need
0: exactly exactly and and what I was going to ask you as well how how important has it been for you on that journey with um uh the people that you do and don't have in your life because I know you know for myself and from what I've learned it's such a, a bigger thing that a lot of the time we realize and if I look back to my 20s when I was grappling with a lot of things I had so many toxic people in my life and that would deeply affect me and probably the biggest you know game changer for me has been just you know once I sort of worked out what I really how I operate and what I need it's been making sure that I don't allow people that are not healthy for me in my life has that been a big thing for you?
1: Um, Well, actually, interesting. And I know a lot of people in your situation who've said this. So there have been one Mm -hmm. or two people. But what I am really lucky with, there are some people who sat with me beside that bed in those early days. And there are some of those people that are still with me today. And they're bloody legends. And I'm really grateful. But I have definitely encountered where there have been people in my life that maybe haven't been very good for me. And yeah, it's. I find that that is for me. Been. Re- I think it's really hard letting go of people or things, even if we know we need to. Or and but I. I mean, often I'm sure you found yep. this life. Then has really shitty ways of removing those people maybe from your life, and it can feel very painful. It can hurt, but actually, it's only in hindsight yep. after you're like, okay, I understand this. Um, but it's rejection, right? You know, I always say this to people. It comes down to loss and rejection if we uncover Mm -hmm. underneath all of our human stuff, loss is something that has an impact on us all. And I think that, you know, it's often at the root of so many things and none of us like to feel lost. It feels the most horrible thing. And that's what those kind of situations trigger, isn't it? But yeah, it's, I think having good people in your life. And I know for me, that has been key, having people that will support you and back you essentially and say even if I don't understand I still love you and I mean that is powerful if someone says I love you even if I don't get this and you know I you know I back you I support you that's that's really good and I think we need more of that but I think a lot of the time people because of the way we do get disconnected in life with our busyness with our you know what we're chasing. It can sometimes disconnect us, that we disconnect from people, that then our even our human relationships aren't fully whole, aren't fully loving, aren't aren't these kind of things that fill up our well, but they're actually things that drain us. Um, so I think it's yeah, for me that has been vital and and important. But also the the loss of people that haven't been good for me, I've actually found very painful. But I understand it now.
0: Yep yeah yeah letting go is one of i find that still so difficult with every part of life like letting go of anything um you know you get attached to things and then it's such a difficult thing to do but i guess it's um it's part of life isn't it you know we have to deal with that because that's just always that's going to continually happen in life Mm. but it's difficult my friend jake
1: when I say she's like Hannah's advice, you've got to surrender, babe. You've got to let go. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not yeah. going <laughs> to just surrender, Nick, you know? Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. It... Just surrender. End...
1: And yeah, I'm not going to pretend it's easy because like you say, I know I've got the tools sometimes to deal with things, but I still fucking struggle with surrender or letting go or, you know, the whole thing, trust the process
0: and yep. it's
1: like yep. i don't want to fucking trust the process.
0: <laughs> exactly. You want to you want to feel good right now. But i think that's a really good point what you made there because like i i've grappled with this and i know a lot of people um who get into sort of the uh the wellness sort of world go too far the other way where they say oh no you know you just it's just like letting go and feeling good all the time and it's okay don't worry it's like no i do feel worried i'm aware i'm doing my best. And you know what? It's okay to be struggling right now. Um, And I was talking to my psychologist um, last week and um, I was sort of telling him about, you know, moving to New York and the struggles that came with it. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, what have I done? It's like, this is so hard. I had an easier life in Australia. Um, And he just reminded me, you know, it is good to be uncomfortable. It's good to be even suffering and struggling through things because you're going to grow. And this is all, don't look at it in that black and white way that I oh, know, but it just embrace and feel good. It's like, no, I'm struggling. And you know what? That's, that's okay. That's actually a lot of growth is going to come out of that. And that's actually made me feel really empowered and gave me a good reminder because I was like, I, you know, you, it, it really means no matter what situation you're in, you can um, look at it with that frame of mind that um, I'm either going to, you know, things are going to go smoothly or how I want them to, or if it's a struggle, that's doesn't matter as well. It's just as positive, maybe even more positive because through struggling I'm gonna to have to really confront myself and explore and open my mind and and it forces you to grow so um, there's not really it's again like you said that gray area in life we're taught to see things black and white which is just not how the world works you know it's the gray area is always the actual meaningful part of life and that's what we need to learn to you know be able to see more more of that
1: Mm. And I think you've touched upon something really important that I think is such an important conversation: toxic positivity. Like,
0: yes, I, yes,
1: I am a naturally positive person. <laughs> like, I, I'll admit that. You know, like, but. What I also think we need to do is not fucking bypass. And there is a lot like you know, like what you said about the work, like I think there's like two sides to this. You've got like the kind of what's regularly going on, and then you've got this extreme other side that's some of the concepts are great, some of the things they're saying are great. But you know, like I look at when I was trying to like quote unquote help myself and heal myself, I was encountering situations sometimes where I was
0: For 20% off your first system.
1: Body wasn't responding to, and I was blaming myself. Like there was something I was doing wrong because maybe I didn't want this enough. But actually the truth is some things are going to work for people. Some things are not going to work for people. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. And it was, I had to really reframe that I'd got myself in this kind of weird, fucked up, toxic positivity mindset where I was, you know, Yeah so far stuck in that end and I think it's so important yep. that if you're feeling you know if you're going through something bad or you're feeling upset or you're feeling angry we need to feel those emotions we need to oh. process it took me a long time Nick yeah feel angry about what had happened because until I it was a yeah. really thing when I actually because I was crying a lot but it was like grief mm. when I felt mm-hmm. angry that helped me heal and I think sometimes in situations like um you know often like obviously I took this quite spiritual path and and I'd always kind of weirdly been like that um even pre this whole experience I was like the weird friend that you had that was in school being like I was very alternative but thankfully accepted but because of that people are like I thought spiritual people didn't get angry Mm. it's okay fucking angry and i think we really need to say it's okay and i would want somebody to process that and to say that if you're in a a shitty situation or something's happened to feel angry about it and upset and have a little foot stamp it doesn't mean negative things are going to happen it doesn't mean a bad thing's going to happen actually what it means is you're able to process that meet that emotion meet yourself where you're at and move through that and when we do that, yeah, oh, absolutely. And we meet other people, you know, like I'd rather sit with some, you know, like sit with a friend or sit with someone. And if they were struggling with something, like, come on, like share, like you're not being negative, share what's going on. And I think often when we get into like this whole, like, you know, what you're doing, like it's it's always this like, oh, you've got to keep your mind yeah. positive. No, you, you've got to keep your mind healthy. And that is sometimes going into the shadow and befriending the shadow and knowing that in the shadow, yes. you can find light, you can find grace, you can find, you can find what actually was missing in that shadow and bring it back into the light and illuminate yourself. And actually things on the other side are better.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it's life's not about, feeling good all the time and I think it's again comes down to this thing that we've been taught in society that happiness is um uh this high that we want to reach and it's you know every it's achieving huge things feeling great all the time having the perfect family and relationship or yeah. and it's like well that's not happiness that's like that's effort and that's like that's using external factors to feel good and it's of course we want those things or we want you know we all want different things and we want to try and get them, but happiness is actually just that contentment that I know I'm going to be okay. Um, that inner peace that if I feel bad, that's okay. If I feel good, that's okay. If I have this or don't have this, that's what it is. And you know, I've got friends where it is that toxic positivity where it's um you know you meet them and oh everything's amazing, it's so good, how nice is this, how nice, and it's like whoa, you know, like I'm trying to can I just relax and just take this in rather than Keep commenting on how amazing everything is, and it's like it. And then you feel guilty. You're like, hang on, I feel like I'm like being like really a downer here because this person's <laughs> you know so excited. But then I also can feel that this isn't real. You're not. Mm-hmm. Can you just please? But then they don't have that ability to be honest because they're trying to mask it with, you know, it's okay, it's okay if you don't love everything. <laughs> like, um, yeah. it's just e- e- exhausting. You know, it's a it's a different kind of um, that. You know, not non real realism sort of behavior.
1: No, absolutely. And I joke about this. Yeah, it's
0: exhausting. I
1: read tarot and oracle cards. Like I I do readings for people sometimes. And a friend of mine jokes that when she picks herself a card or she doesn't like the card, she puts it back in the box to get a better one. And I always say to people, if I'm like reading them, um, you know, doing a reading for someone, even if you get, should we say, the shitty cards there's always a way to look at it to be able to use that as a springboard that always see that's um showing up in that reading for for a reason and actually rather than looking at it as like oh my God, like, that's going to be terrible being like, okay, how can I use that to move forward in the right way for me? And I think it, you know, it is, it is like that, that yep. you can't just keep putting the bad cards back in. The, I say, babe, you can't put the bad cards back in the pack. <laughs> you know, like it's it,
0: exactly, it's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But
1: like I joked um, a couple of months
0: ago,
1: exactly a couple of months ago, I, um, I thought I liked this person and, um, <laughs> every time i was pulling an oracle card i was like i'm gonna pull a card about this i was getting knocked for you yeah the thing is i got so pissed off I was like fucking i'm taking that card out of the pack i am not having to my friend was like maybe it's telling you the truth hannah <laughs> and i was like I think it <laughs> yeah but yeah I
0: think exactly
1: that we try and avoid it we try and mask it or we try and we try and like find a way mm-hmm. to like band-aid you know i do think we're still in this society where we try and band-aid things you cannot put band-aid over things the wound underneath if we don't deal with that it's gonna fester and even exactly if, you know if it doesn't um you know initially it can also come in layers as well and i think you know like how some people think they've got a handle on it and they can keep that band-aid it's going to come out at some point
0: Oh, 100%. It's going to come out, you know, you can't, you'll just have to keep, you know, the behavior will get more extreme um, mm-hmm. to the point where you just can't sustain that, you know, going back to sustainability. It's not sustainable, but you do. And like you said, in dating and relationships, you see it a lot where yeah. um, it's this thing that fixating on, oh, you know, that exciting feeling that I, want, I really want this person. And um, almost we can fall into, and I know I've fell into that as well, where it's like looking at, oh, but, you know, if I just get, that's going to be so amazing everything's in it. it's like that hollywood you know what we've been taught about romantic sort of thing but normally when you have that feeling it often is actually the wrong person or you know if it's yeah. going to happen it happens organically and if it's too you know much of that exciting feeling at the beginning often there's not the actual substance because that takes time to build you know like you're not meant to it's meant it's meant to be like your you know best friend or that unconditional feeling that you have with a family member where um you know that no matter what you've got each other's back and it's that very that strong you know not not overwhelming feeling that very calm sort of strong feeling that you have there but it's that's a whole nother topic I guess the relationship side of things
1: I think so and I think actually in truth I know this sounds and again it's a breaking the grain of society I think a lot of the time if we feel this like um over buzzing feeling sometimes it's actually simply as just somebody having sex with somebody and maybe having a good time and then moving on. But obviously that's not quite conventional within our lines of in society of, of using the rules. Like what you say, like if sometimes for something that's more deeper, you're not always going to get that kind of, shall we say the initial orgasmic feeling with somebody, it might be like an actual karma feeling you're going to get. And I think, yeah and again i think it's because we've been so conditioned to put ourselves in boxes that it starts to impact how we then in our mind create these stories about how our human relationships should look and that again impacts on health because we think then we end up blaming ourselves or think there's something wrong with ourselves if something maybe isn't right or something we are chasing isn't right for us exactly it comes down to this kind of cycle of doom as i call it and it's it's almost breaking Mm -hmm. that cycle and saying you know i don't have to totally comply to these rules i need to listen to what i'm actually feeling and you know not not follow the grain always or if you do feel inclined to kind of engage with something that maybe some you know because i always say to people like you know i said to a friend like about a year ago you know with somebody i was like maybe you just need to have sex with this person yeah she like, i can't do that and i was like why not who said and and i think you know using quite an extreme version of that it, it you know because it's it's quote unquote quite thing to say we it, it scares people because that's not in the rule book People are going to judge me. People are going to think I'm X, Y, Z.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Down those things and start to say, it's okay to do that. And you know, it comes back to safety because for so long, I didn't feel safe in my body. And I realized it was a real like um, coming home moment for me when I realized that I spent so long at war with myself that I hadn't, created that safety inside of myself and how could I expect to feel that with the people around me sometimes if I didn't create that safety inside of myself and I think we all need to be helping each other come back to that place of safety and then we're creating containers with each other that are totally transformative and you know containers where it it feels safe you can still grow you can still expand but it's in a more grounded way and it's in a way where we're not seeking the you know that those quick fixes those highs
0: exactly yeah exactly exactly and just being open to not again it goes back to that gray area of not having to see everything as black and white and you know if you feeling something, it might not mean it's going to be the be-all and end-all, but you can still explore it or we don't have to have all of the answers at once. We can sort of be open to, to different things and not not label everything because uh, we have. We've been taught so many rigid rules about convention and how we're meant to live our lives um, that isn't going to work for everyone. Mm,
1: it's what you just said, the answers. Yeah. We feel like we need to know the answers and I think as yeah. well it comes yeah. down to this that some people struggle with, you know what is my purpose how can I find my purpose what should I be doing well I you know I think it's coming back to like if you're questioning that it's coming back to yourself and checking in with yourself because that is not outside of you that answer is not outside of you that answer is and it's so cliche when we say the answer's inside of you I get it (laughs) and for anyone listening they're like oh my god that is But, But essentially at its core with good emotional regulation, often the answers and the solutions we need are inside of us, Yeah. finding that balance and it's finding the strength to to listen. And it comes down to a deep sense of listening to, to yourself but also sometimes listening to the outside allows you to see what you don't want as well and actually using that in a positive way that if you are kind of stuck in the outside, okay, how does that really feel in my body? How does that feel yeah. you know, deep inside of me? And I think when we start to do that and ask how it feels in our body, then we, we get a lot of answers.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's, if you take it back to that, that's where all the answers come yeah. from. And uh, it's why, you know, people like <clears throat> Tony Robbins make so much money because it's really selling, all they're yeah. really doing is selling to these people that instead of, you know, teaching them how to look within it, saying, no, I know that everyone wants to find purpose and meaning, come and pay $10,000 to come and stand up and chant and do that for two days. And you, then you're going to find your meaning and purpose. And then they go home and they're like, hang on, how come I haven't found it yet? Uh, and, you know, people will search all these different areas to find it, but it's like, you, you can't, you're not going to just find it like that. You've got to be taught how to, you know, there's no silver bullet to this stuff. It's, it's about exploring within yourself, taking that step back and realizing that, there's, there's never going to be a complete answer but you, your purpose is not going to just magically come from you know like an acquisition
1: no I think as well it's understanding that no matter how much you try to box it up in a let's say a Tony Robbins weekend you have to actually go yep. on the journey sometimes experience it and experience the highs the lows and I guess you have to experience getting it wrong and I think we don't like yeah. getting it wrong, do we? That's like really hard. I don't know about you, Nick. We hate I, it. Like,
0: yeah,
1: I hate it. Like I, I just, yeah. I still sometimes get cross now if I, I'm like, oh, you know. But then I'm like, actually, it's okay. It's safe for me to be wrong. It's safe for me to not have how yeah. how I wanted it. And and I think when I when I move back into that place, I remember and you know does what what matter and I remember this point when I was really really unwell like to the point of you know basically going for a wee was difficult I know that sounds extreme but it was true um Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking god when we're stripped back you suddenly realize what's fucking important and when you're like, yeah. you know, yeah. there were times when my body hasn't always played ball and I am humbled by that. And if there's anything that surrenders me, I'm like, okay, okay, I'm listening. Um, But, you yeah. know, I, yeah. I, I still do it now sometimes, you know, like for years, I, you know, in those early years, I was up and down because I'd be like, okay, I feel like I can do this X, Y, Z. So I would like go at it hard, Nick, you know, like go all in yep. and then the, the impact, the payback on my body used to be like, okay, that wasn't a good plan. And you know, my mom yeah. used to, say to me sometimes like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to do this mom. I mean, yeah, to, exactly. You, you didn't always tell wanted. what I told you so, yeah. but you know, <laughs> it, it, it's still hard sometimes because I, I think if anybody's got any desire or driving them, we're going to try and push a little, but it's yep. it's definitely regulating with that as well.
0: Yeah, no for sure. And and do you have um things that just for anyone listening, are there, do you have daily things that, that you do that you, you know, that you recommend or that work for you, you know, whether it's meditation or mindfulness practices or I don't know whatever it is. Like do you have some daily things that you do that keep you sort of grounded and, and feeling good?
1: Absolutely. And I've been doing this in a fairly committed way for a very, very long time now. Um, definitely meditation. I will meditate no matter what at th- that, that night time. So I definitely meditate um, usually in the morning, in the evening, or if I ever get caught in the middle of the day. If I need a rest now, sometimes I need to rest. Um, I will do some form of more like a body visualization, but meditation for sure. And I commit to that. I could be, it could be like two o'clock in the morning. I could be in bed, like whatever I'm doing, I will meditate. Nick, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. when, when I went met a friend for the first time in the physical, and we went to bed. She said to me, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I'm meditating." And she was like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah." I said, "It doesn't matter if even if you sleep with me, like, <laughs> not in I'm that gonna,
0: way." But, yeah,
1: but I yeah. Like, I meditate no matter what's going on, and that for me has yeah. been really. Key the other thing has been gratitude
0: and yep.
1: pretty much every single day I write down some things I'm grateful for um and also for me I, I'm really big on embodiment and reconnecting back to our body so for me I like to put some music on and just sit and, and take five ten minutes to just connect back to my body and I think don't want to go too risque, but I do think learning our own self-pleasure, and I'm sorry if I'm like crossing a line here, Nick. That's all good. (laughs) I, I think it's really important. I think we need to understand whatever, however, especially like often situations in life that make us not feel good, that don't make us feel, should we say sexy or whatever. And it's not just about sexiness. This is about embodiment and reconnection. If we can find ways, man, woman, that help us understand our own pleasure and we can work from that space, um, it, it will really change your life. And obviously, there's just so much to around that. And there's so much, um, you know, people try and make rules around it. But I, I think, you know, this is a huge problem in society that A, we're not talking about it enough, we're not encouraging each other enough to do that and understand ourselves in that way. That it will really change things because when we understand embodiment it it helps on the outside us move into the right place and so yeah for me that's really important and it's it has been important you know Absolutely. my like oh my god you're so wild and controversial and it's quite interesting for me now because there's been quite a uh, recent times there's been a lot more talk about this Um, you know, I was seeing this so controversial to like all my girlfriends, like even some of the guys around me used to be like, Oh my God, you're so out there, Hannah. Like you're so like, you know, I I wouldn't want to talk about this, but actually we should be talking about this with everyone. And I'm really glad that I have asked my friends, sometimes the guys and the girls, like what's going on there? Like, how are you connecting with yourself in that way? Because if we open up to that conversation with people and deepen that trust with that it, and people are like oh my god I'm experiencing this or I feel disconnected in this way and they might have been feeling shame all of a sudden you've removed that shame because someone's like no no I, I feel like that sometimes too you change everything and I think we haven't covered shame yeah but I think that's a massive thing in all of these factors we've talked about if something's going wrong in our lives or we're not feeling good and like we said about the whole happiness thing we feel shame and none of us like that feeling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if we can openly say to someone, you know, if you say to me, I- I'm feeling like shit today and you're feeling like in- and someone hears you and holds that space, that shame has been removed because you're allowed someone saying it's okay to feel shit. You're allowed. Yep. So yeah, that's what I yep. do. On exactly.
0: A- exactly. You're that's allowed to feel. It. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's my practices like on a kind of daily basis um, and always see like reading positive things, putting music on and um, singing, um, yeah. just kind of doing things that feel good, good to me. And um, I think making a commitment because I think a lot of the time we make time excuses, right? Like I can't do that because I don't have the time. And I remember uh, reading or listening, I think I can't remember who, who, which um, teacher it was or person I was reading. They said, but do you have time to feel like shit? And it's so true. And I know that's quite triggering for some people to hear, but you know what? Even if you take five minutes, like it's only yep. five minutes. And if you consistently, if you think all I've got time for is like a few minutes and you commit to that, that is way better than going in for like crash and burn, doing all the practices or, you know, being like, Oh my God, I found these five things I need to do. And it's going to take X, Y, Z, but then you only once a month or, you know? Yeah. And I always say to people in meditation and um, to put a timer on for five minutes and just sit there. And I know people are like, what exactly? It's yeah. Just sit, just sit for five minutes. And something will happen eventually (laughs) and I've done this I've I've got people around me to commit to this something happens that shifts and you need that five minutes and I and I will push the boundary and say get it up to 10 minutes if you can but if you Mm -hmm. can do every single day of your life and do nothing else and you're just connecting Mm -hmm. coming back into your body feeling you know yourself against the place where you're in feeling you know your heart your you know coming back in you will you will create an equilibrium you didn't even know existed before.
0: Yeah, e- exactly. And, and I think people look at things like meditation again in that very mathematical, black and white way where I oh, know, but I'm not good at meditating. I can't yeah. be still, in it, or I might, I did it wrong. I can't do it. And it's not, it's like you said, you don't even have to have a, a mantra or anything. Just sit still. And even if your mind is absolutely racing, that's still going to help because you're giving yourself that time out to try and let these thoughts process themselves no right or wrong and you know i've had so many times where i'm i do like vedic or transcendental meditation so 20 in the morning and 20 at night and a lot of the time i'm sitting there and my mind's wandering and racing and you know you feel like there's no point but you it still is beneficial it's just giving yourself your mind's like still processing different things so it's um yeah i think it's again changing how we frame that
1: Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said so many people come up with it. Oh, I can't meditate. I tried. Yeah. Yeah. Like saying to them, did you try for like five minutes, babe? (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) I know exactly. Just
1: for a day. And also, like, I think I understand where this comes from, because often if people enter into, shall we say the wellness spectrum and say they choose a field of things, yoga, a certain type of thing, often these things come with, oh, you have to do it in this way um, or it's not going to work. I really call bullshit on that because um, it's it's, it's I think
0: that's, yeah, Yeah. I think sort of um, anything where someone's saying do it this way or it's not going to work or this is, you know, any of that sort of talk is almost bordering into like cult-like behavior where um, and you see it everywhere. You see it in the fitness industry. Join my, you know, ten-week program. I've got the formula, or go on this diet. This is how you get this, or you know, any of that stuff. That's, you know, no. There's no one solution. It's all complicated. It's a combination of things. It's finding what works for you. Um, so I think that's a one again for anyone listening to this. I think it's a really great point. Um, and I'll go into the final questions in a second. Um, but um, I think that final point you made um, that learn you know it's just taking in information and being able to make decisions for yourself based on what's presented not seeing things as gospel or black and white because it's different for everyone and you know look at that as a warning sign if someone says to you know this is the way to do it then okay maybe i should question that and have a look at what else what other options are available
1: absolutely and also don't don't be afraid to do that i mean like when you said about the yep. diets trying to like not not for weight pet like To actually get healthy, shall we say, like how I could help myself? I tried diets to the point of like so and so be like, oh, this is going to sort out your digestive issues. This is going to do this. This is going to help you with this. And I got to a point where I realized I was just, uh, I wasn't listening to myself. I was listening to all this outside noise and I needed to become, as soon as I became intuitive with things. it it changed every, you know, I knew the things that I needed to do. Just simplified
0: everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's continually, we are being called to strip it back. We are continually being called to question and remember always, there is no one path. Should we say to, um, you know, that there is no one path to anything. There are many paths kind of amazing thing that we're faced with is actually it's finding the way that works for you, you know, and walking that road in the way that's working for you.
0: Exactly. No, I think, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And love all the stuff you've talked about here. So thank you again for, you know, sharing all of that and being so open about all of it. Um, We finish every episode with these same five questions just to see sort of the different answers that come up. Um, So these can be sort of, you know, short one line type answers or whatever comes to mind. And okay. um, yeah, it's just sort of a thing we fi- that we finish with. So hopefully I don't catch you on the spot too much. Nothing too crazy. Um, but the first one is what is your, um, what the best childhood memory that comes to mind for you?
1: Oh, well, I used to like ice skating. So um, I got to skate. I mean, I don't know if anyone, there was a really famous skating duel called Torval and Dean. They like got 666. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I met them, yeah. Nick, and I fell over. Oh well. Yeah. I, I. I mean, it still excites me now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um And uh, yeah, that is my favorite um, childhood memory. I'd say one of the most. I mean, it's such a. That's such a great question yeah. because you know, like we have many, but that probably is like. Uh, it still makes me um, happy now. Even that's when that's a I started, great one, yeah. yeah.
0: And, and when I and that on TV, I'm
1: yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> I know.
0: It still brings that back. But I mean, and that's one of the points of that one. And I do this in, you know, some of my talks as well. It's sort of going back to, you know, the gratitude sort of um, journaling and things like that, like by it's pretty simple, like just then like what you said, you know, you think about that and then it changes your whole, um, you know, it it just makes you feel good and your whole body language and everything. Um, And it's something we can all do daily. Let's just, you know, sit there. And that's what the gratitude journaling is. Think about you know what? What are some positive things? What are some things that mean something to me? And um, you know, you can change your whole um, psychology and your whole physiology by doing it. So it's it's an important thing. Um, what would what would you say is currently the biggest burden on mental health in society?
1: Um, I I think that the pressure that people are being forced to put on themselves, and I think also men, I think yeah. have if i'm honest obviously i you know I, of course i recognize this is for everyone but having lost a friend who you know wanted to be honest one of the loves of my life to to male suicide i wanted i want men to feel that that they don't have to go the route that he went and mm. that when it came down to it you know like and i know this isn't a totally short answer nick and i'm sorry but i just no, wanted, like he basically, um, you know, I said to him one day, do, do other people know what's going on? Because I, we've, we've been like childhood friends since we were like, you know, 13, 14. And he said to me one day, there's just no point, Hannah. Like, I've tried everything. Like, there's no point in people. When he died, Nick, on his like Facebook wall, people were saying i had no clue and i think it's about mm. really addressing with with men in society and i you know i'm not I, it's such that's like that's a really good question but also obviously there are so many other factors but i think it's it's bringing that up to say to 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 men that you know it's okay it's safe to talk it's safe for you to to break basically and you can fix again and you don't have to break totally
0: yeah exactly no it's um and it is it, especially in, in men i think it is it's, it's a there's so much um more that needs to be done uh and a lot of the time they sort of men don't know you know where to go or how to talk about it and it's um yeah it's a horrible thing it that it well, leads to that. that whole macho yeah.
1: Thing, like yeah yeah i'm okay yeah. when actually exactly and then i think that then translates i know this sounds crazy i think that translate into aggression it translates into problems in relationships simply mm-hmm. because if, if we'd stripped it back to the point of okay what's going on tell the truth and someone's like i need to have a breakdown they wouldn't have to respond in like often our behaviors exactly exactly from really what's going on
0: absolutely yeah no it's a it's a good point um and where in do you see things in ten years' time improving in, in society with when it comes to that area, with mental health? God, <clears> I mean, I think in the, the next decade. A, decade yeah.
1: I, I I think that's a, a you know rhetorical question, Nick. <laughs> um, yeah. Because Essentially, so. I'd like to think they, I'd like to think they would, and hopefully they will. Hopefully, through all of what everybody is doing now, who's having these positive conversations um I think it's going to come to you know the younger generations you know like how old are you Nick
0: 34 in-
1: 34 so I'm in my late 30s 38 so I think it comes down to the fact there are younger generation that you know we've had the effects but we've not have been affected by social media like that younger generation yeah. has. yeah and that I think i i like i'd like to think there can be a real shift there because it kind of freaks me out to think there are these young girls that look like way older and way more like you know yeah and all this pressure on themselves to look a certain way to be you know and men as well obviously because guys want to look buff or look good and there's all this kind of weird pressure for and and it's sexualized but not in a positive way so I think if we can turn things like that around and break down to say to people, you're just seeing an image of somebody looking really good. That's not the whole mm-hmm. picture. It's like, mm-hmm. you could be the most, I mean, we know this because we've seen it. You could be the most amazing, beautiful, stunning, whatever person, but you can feel absolutely fucking broken on the inside.
0: Yep.
1: But you see a picture That's- on some Instagram of them looking shit hot and people are liking that and, and subscribe into that. And I think it's just pulling it back to telling the truth about what's going on. And that's yeah. what's important.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, and you see it, you see it in, you know, the modeling industry, a lot of the most, these people in that, in that realm. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's very yeah. common.
1: Yeah, really is.
0: Um, so just two more, um, Final to our, um, you know, what's your personal definition of happiness?
1: To feel centered and grounded, and yeah, safe in my body. To feel that yep. deep sense of love and connection. To kind of, I guess, whatever you wanted to find, source, God, you, yeah, yep. to know, yeah, that that feeling yeah. of feeling calm and centered. That to me is happiness. Not. Yes, I like all the outside things. I like all, but but when it comes down to it, I know what it's like to, to feel stripped to nothing and I know yeah. how good it is to feel in my center and that to me is happiness.
0: Yeah, perfect. And the final one, what would you say is the most courageous thing you've ever done?
1: Well, probably, um, I guess really owning the and it's that I say it's courageous because even now I'm like oh my god I feel cringy saying it the the disability thing because for me yeah um that was really hard because yeah because I I don't define myself by that um but it's something that is part of me and having to really own that and get like actually own it because at the end of the day I think a lot of the time we there's so many, you know. That's a whole nother conversation, but there's so much. Like, I think because we don't, you know, like have those open conversations around that. I think even I felt like I was entering into a space where I had a, I had my own judgments, and then yeah. I'm suddenly faced with being that person. Do you know what I mean? So for me, yeah, for a, sure. When I basically, I remember the first times when I, you know, I, when I'm out on my own, or you know, when I've been in London or I've been on trains and. People have, you know, that's when I've really had to step into courage. And for me, that's probably been it where I've been like, fuck it. Do you know what? I hope people are staring at me because they think I'm hot. <laughs> yeah. Than,
0: you
1: know, yeah. Some, yeah like I, I've i switched it. And probably sometimes I think I would obviously create these stories in my head. But actually, sometimes I think it comes down to the fact that people are probably just being like, oh, that's not why I'd normally expect to associate with that a lot of the time. Whereas I was yeah. thinking like bad things. Sometimes people are looking or thinking stuff or curiosity just because we're human. And I try and yeah. switch
0: yeah.
1: how I feel if I was in that situation. Would I look at that person and think, oh, my God, she looks not what I would expect. And I think it, yeah. that for me what probably for courageous because suddenly who, you know, the image thing that we have, I suddenly yeah. no longer hide behind behind that, so to speak
0: yeah yeah for sure no i think that's um a huge one and it you know so relevant to, to everyone really in different ways so um yeah i just want to say to you thank you for making the time i've really enjoyed you know chatting to you i think we've covered so many interesting things and um it's been great to connect with you so yeah thank you for doing it it's
1: yes, my pleasure it's been really great thanks for having me
0: this episode of move your mind was produced and edited by tim boozer Thanks so much to Hannah Wallace for joining me today for Move Your Mind. And just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com slash book. And the Move Your Mind community is now live. It's something we've put a huge amount of effort into. We're so excited to share it with you all. We've got live events. We've got courses. We've got ongoing content loading into it. Most importantly, it's a place where we can all learn and grow together. It's got private communities within the group, and it's something that we just can't 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 be more proud of when we want you all to join and be part of it you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me
1: even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50 luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus